0: Be sure to tune in to Tamina Talks Immigration with Tamina Watson this and every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Immigration attorney Tamina Watson founded Watson Immigration Law here in Seattle and is a frequent speaker, author, and blogger who has appeared in Forbes, CNN, the Seattle Times, and much more. On her radio show, Tamina will take all your questions live on air. Plus, she will discuss and provide insight into the latest immigration news and issues as well as talk with notable personalities who have impacted U.S. immigration laws or are notable immigrants themselves check out tamina talks immigration tuesdays at 10 a.m on desi 1250 a.m radio that listens to you
1: good morning seattle this is tamina watson on desi 1250 a.m Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Tamina Talks Immigration, a show that is all about immigration, immigration law, uh, immigration news updates, and so much more. Taking your questions if you call us, answering your emails through the uh, airwaves if you email us in advance too. If you have any questions or comments, you can always call us at the studio at 844-301-1250, 844-301-1250. And the email address is contact at desi1250am.com. That's co- contact at desi1250am.com. You know, if you're new to the show, this show is all about immigration law and we do have a Facebook page. If you remember, if you're a a regular follower, you'll know that our Facebook page is relatively new. It's called Tamina Talks Immigration uh, Radio Show and you will find all our shows um, already there. We do Facebook live shows as well when we have um, guests in the studio and uh, all news information can be found there. You can interact with us as well as questions can be asked through as well if you've just joined us this is Tamina talks immigration on Desi 1250 a.m. thank you so much for joining us this morning we do have a fantastic guest who is going to be joining us uh, momentarily and I cannot wait to um, speak immigration with him and I cannot wait for you to hear everything that he has to share But in, in the meantime I want to share just a little bit about a news update you may or may not be aware that yesterday i um, uh, sorry on Monday which was yesterday, um, the Supreme Court had um, partially lifted the ban uh, on, the tr- on the travel ban executive order. And what that means is uh, the government will be allowed to um, ban, suspend for about 90 days people f- coming from six countries, um, it, coming to the U.S. The win in this situation, though, is that people who have visas already or have bona fide relationships to a family or an entity in the U.S. will still be able to come in. Now, there will be a lot of confusion uh, at the airports, very likely, um, because the definitions are not clear. Bonafide relationship is not an immigration uh, definition that exists at the moment uh, about who indeed is a bona fide relative. Is it your grandparent? Is it your aunt? Of course, mother, father, siblings will, will is unquestionably uh, a bona fide relationship. But those relationships can be extended. So where does that stop? We do not have a definition for it. So, coming um, soon, you will very likely see litigation on these I- these issues, um, but the ban will likely start uh, Thursday morning. At 10.30 and all morning this morning I've been on calls uh, listening to what other airports are going to be doing to um, help people at at the various airports and SeaTac will also be covered. But just so you know, um, www.airportlawyer.org is a website you must keep handy and make sure that your friends and family uh, know about this website. You may remember that I was mentioned in Forbes with a whole list of things that you can can do if you are stuck at an airport or you need help for a family or, or friends. So make sure you visit our Facebook page, uh, Tamina Talks Immigration, to get that information. If you've just tuned in, this is Tamina Talks Immigration on Desi 1250 AM. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, we have a fantastic guest. And with further ado, I am going to uh, introduce you to him. His name is Brad Feld. Brad Feld has been an early stage investor and entrepreneur for over 20 years. He lives in Boulder, Colorado, and Homer, Alaska with his wife and is on a quest to run a marathon in every state in the U.S. I hope we see him in Seattle sometime. Brad has been... an Early stage investor and entrepreneur since 1987. Prior to co founding Foundry Group, he co founded Mobius Venture Capital and prior to that, founded Intesti, Intesti Ventures. Brad is also a co founder of Techstars. In addition to his investing efforts, Brad is active and with several non profit organizations. He is currently chair of the National Center for Women and Information Technology and the Global EIR Coalition and is on the boards of Path Forward, the Kaufman. Fellows and Defy Ventures. Brad is a writer and speaker on the topics of venture capital investing and entrepreneurship. He's he's written a number of books as part of the Startup Revolution series and writes the blogs uh, Fell Thoughts and Venture Deals. Brad, are you there?
0: I'm here. Hi.
1: Hi. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome, Brad. How are you? I'm doing good. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And before we chat, I want to thank you for being such a huge advocate. On top of all the investing and entrepreneurship issues that you deal with, you have been an immense advocate for immigration, for the startup visa, but also for writing a book review on my book. Thank you so much. (laughs)
0: <laughs> You're welcome. As a writer, I always appreciate when somebody says something nice about me and you definitely deserved uh, a great review on your books. I was happy to do it.
1: Well, thank you so much. You know, we are going to run out of time before we even know it. So I have so much to ask you and I'm just going to dive into it. So you have been an, a- an absolute um, advocate for immigration reform and you have uh, impacted so much in the industry. Why has immigration been so important to you?
0: I have a deeply held belief that um, anyone should be able to start their company uh, wherever they want to live. I also believe that one of the things that as a country uh, we in, in the U.S. should strive for is making it uh, easy and accessible for anybody who wants to come here and, and start a business. So th- that's been, you know, for many, many years, uh, something that I've I've held to and uh, I never really understood the dynamics until 2009, when we had two companies go through TechStars in our second program. One that was a team of two Canadians, and one that was a team of uh, one from uh, one person from the UK and one person from France. And after the program, they both had to leave the U.S. and they they wanted to stay in Boulder, Colorado, where I'm based and where the program was. And I just I, it just baffled me; it made no sense. Uh, and so, you know, since then, I've I've been trying to help impact and and change the view.
1: Well, you know, your efforts have been obviously noted uh, nationally. And in 2009, actually, something happened. Um, there was this bill that came a- a- along called the Startup Visa Bill. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, so about a, a half dozen of us that got organized. They um, included uh, Eric Reese. Uh, who's famous for a Lean Startup, uh, Dave McClure, who has a, a firm 500 startups, um, and a handful of other folks. We we uh, we started talking about this. We went on a trip to D.C. together. Uh, we talked to a number of folks, including uh, Mark Udall, who was one of the co-sponsors of the bill and at the time was the senior senator from Colorado we spent some time with Jared Polis who's a very successful entrepreneur who uh, is in congress uh, representing uh, district 2 in Colorado and talked to others and we just we, we couldn't understand why this was such a challenge and so we put together uh, a bill uh, that used uh, and built off the EB5 visa To create essentially in in one version there was an eb5 add-on and another version it was an eb6 which was basically just a shadow visa to use the um unused eb5 uh visa slots but turn around the dynamic where the eb5 visa is basically a visa where if somebody invests a million dollars you know somebody outside the u.s invests a million bucks in a company in the u.s they can get a visa we said, well, let's let's focus on the entrepreneur. If somebody starts a company and is able to raise, I think 750 was 750,000 was a threshold. Um, $750,000, let's make sure they can get a visa. And uh, we had that bill two or three years was introduced in the Senate and had a lot of support, bipartisan support, but never really got effectuated. Jared Polis also introduced a similar version of it in the House. And, you know, got, I would say got stuck in the category of all or nothing immigration reform. So while it, the start of visa was non-controversial, everybody that read it said, yeah, this would this make sense. This would be a really good thing. Um, it, it, it was only one small part of immigration reform. And, you know, in the Obama administration, the viewpoint was unless we can do a full overhaul of the immigration system, we're not going to do these you know, small little things one at a time.
1: You know, I have to commend you for all the work you did, because even I didn't appreciate how much um, you had done even before the bill was introduced. So thank you so much, because I think that spearheaded uh, everything that we are seeing up to now. Did you see what was happening around the world uh, before this startup visa bill was introduced?
0: Yeah, one of the things that I think stimulated me and, you know, wind the clock forward, you know, eight or nine years and and look at 2017 was the notion of the democratization of innovation. Um, You know, 30 or 40 years ago, or even 20 years ago, the U.S. was viewed as the place where you, you know, started and built um, very, you know, scalable technology companies, new entrepreneurial businesses, and many, many people from around the world came to the U.S. to start their businesses here. And, you know, there's many, many stories, and I'm sure you've talked about them Uh, and talked about the statistics before publicly of, you know, the number of significant technology companies that have at least one immigrant founder or one founder who is the direct descendant of an immigrant. The remarkable thing is that it was easy to see even 15-20 years ago that this trend especially with the internet of democratizing innovation spreading entrepreneurship around the world was going to happen and then you know today the amount of entrepreneurial activity all around the world not just in the u.s is dramatic and so as a country the fact that we have this essentially regressive immigration policy that you know restricts and prevents and in some cases actively discourages um, you know, entrepreneurs from around the world to come to the U.S. and start their business is sort of the depths of illogical. The other dynamic, which is uh, something that I think um, is lost on many people in government around policy, is that, you know, we could talk about uh, geographic boundaries all we want, but many of these companies are, uh, that you know, the successful startups operate around the world. And, you know, we saw this with the travel ban when, you know, companies like Google immediately responded um, because of just the uh, complete complexity and chaos of trying to get people from one place to another um, versus their sort of free, free flowing and free mobility prior to that. So, you know, I think, I think if, we, if we look at today, the idea that the U.S. is a de- default competitive or dominant entrepreneurial society is, is not a given anymore. And as a result, um, preventing or discouraging people from coming here and starting their businesses is just stupid. I,
1: I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, to that, um, uh, to, to, to that end, the uh, Obama administration, you know, basically said, well, if Congress isn't going to do anything, we are going to create a rule using existing law. And, we'll, uh, and they created the International Entrepreneur Rule. What do you have to say about that?
0: You know, the international entrepreneur rule is the closest proxy that uh, the executive branch could create under the law that mirrored the start of Visa. So, you know, a number of people who uh, were in the Obama administration who had been working on immigration reform, um, you know, did the work for about a year after they realized that nothing was going to happen in Congress to say, is there anything we can legally do here under the current uh, current law. Um, that rule uh, got implemented, or, uh, or, you know, got, uh, I mean, very long public scrutiny com- comment uh, process, very formalized, and got written. It's still not been implemented. And, you know, there's plenty of question. There were rumors last week that the Trump administration is going to uh, either uh, eliminate it or um, delay the implementation for you know, some indefinite period of time. And I, I view that as just really unfortunate. Um, it, it, I think the you know, first layer of, of unfortunate is that Congress wasn't able to actually execute on immigration reform at either a comprehensive level or even an incremental level. Um, and then the next is the fact that, you know, something like this, which clearly is additive to the U S economy in a meaningful way, it's clearly a job creating uh, rule. Has um, many benefits that have been well thought out and well vetted, uh, you know, especially against the backdrop of like uh, you know last week's tech uh, summit thing that uh, that the White House did. It, it just makes no sense. It's a, you know either it's it's you know left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. Uh, it's a more contrived approach. Uh, it's a head fake or, or something else. And so, you know, generally speaking, my hope is that ultimately the current administration supports uh, the international entrepreneur rule, And more importantly, uh, I hope that both the current administration and Congress gets focused on making it easier for uh, entrepreneurs all over the world to come to the U.S. to start their businesses. I don't I I just it 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 ceases to be uh, something that I would view as uh, controversial anyway. The other element of it, which, you know, inter- international entrepreneurial rule doesn't really apply to and doesn't really help, but is directly linked, is this whole dynamic of foreign students coming to the U.S.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and then being shipped away. And especially in the context of the number of the next generation of students who are starting companies, if you look at the job dynamic coming out of college, an increasing number, an increasing percentage of kids who graduate undergraduate or graduate degrees are either joining startups or starting companies. And continues to be incredibly hard for that population to get a valid visa, post you know, US based education to stay in this country and start a business. Just dumb.
1: I, I couldn't agree more and you know I, I I know you worked very hard on the international entrepreneur rule as well you know and I did I feel like the efforts that we had made over the last eight nine years culminated into the international entrepreneur rule and now it's really up in the air so it is a, is a shame because it is a win-win for everybody and it's really up in the air because of silly principles I suppose so I couldn't agree more and I think on the student front you're absolutely right I think there are statistics to show that in the last six months student numbers have been down because they're not welcome here and these students are going to countries that are, uh, you know, rolling up the red carpet as well as introducing startup visas. So really they're thinking about the future whereas we are, as you said, regressing in our immigration rules. If you've just tuned in, this is Tamina Talks Immigration with the one and only Brad Feld, entrepreneur and uh, thought leader on many, many things including immigration. Um, Brad, you know, so the international entrepreneur rule is, let's Put that aside. It's something that's pending out there that you have worked very hard on. It hasn't quite worked out quite yet. But you have been doing so much more to help immigrant entrepreneurs, and part of that was the Global Entrepreneur in Residence Program uh, Coalition. Oh, tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about it.
0: The Global EIR is uh, a nonprofit that was started, um, I guess, now three years ago um, by uh, Jeff Busgang myself. Uh, Craig Montori and Chris Nicholson. Um, Jeff is a venture capitalist in Boston uh, at a firm called Flybridge, and he had worked with uh, the state of Massachusetts uh, to build what was the uh, template for what has become global EIR. Um, That was done with the University of Mass uh, system as well as with uh, the state of Massachusetts and public-private partnership dynamic um, Where the idea, uh, which we've now implemented uh, in a number of other states, is uh, to provide an EIR uh, uh, dynamic or relationship, entrepreneur and residence dynamic with university. Um, the entrepreneur coming to the U.S. works part time for the university, typically about 20 hours a week for the university for a year and gets a visa, H-1B visa, as part of their work as an entrepreneur residence at the university. As part of the person's time, um, they then spend time working within the university, helping promote entrepreneurship across the university, as well as can spend time working on their own startup with the goal that within a year or so, they end up uh, either joining a startup or co-founding a company at which point their visa can transfer to the startup that they've raised money for or the company that that they're joining. So it's got many layers of impact. The functional dynamic is that it gets the uh, immigrant entrepreneur a valid visa that allows them to come to the U.S., um, work in the university infrastructure, accelerating entrepreneurship, and then ultimately start their own company. Uh, The second order effects are pretty profound, and we've seen them in Massachusetts, we've seen them in Colorado, we're starting to see them in some other places, where uh, these immigrant entrepreneurs, in in many cases, become the most um, uh, vocal advocates of the startup community, and just incredible leaders and contributors um, to the startup scene. And in addition to getting actively engaged, they are unbelievably appreciative of the opportunity to engage with the university and with the startup community. And they make a connection between the university and the startup community that's super important uh, for anybody who's trying to build a long-term robust startup community. This started in Massachusetts. Um, Jeff and I have been friends for a while, and we've we've gone back and forth on this particular issue. We were having breakfast one morning. And I said, you know what? And this was shortly after the Senate bill had uh, had had uh, died that had the start of visa in it. Um, but the, the bill that the gang of eight had put together, I guess it passed the Senate, but then died because the, uh, the house didn't uh, execute on anything.
1: Mm-hmm. And we said, you know what,
0: let's let's take this Massachusetts program and let's scale it across the country state by state. Let's focus on this as a state's rights issue rather than a, a federal issue, because clearly um, it's benefiting the states who view this dynamic around entrepreneurship as important and the universities that view this dynamic around uh, entrepreneurship as important. And uh, frankly, the value systems of the leaders in the geographies in the U.S. that are welcoming to uh, immigrant entrepreneurs, let's use that as an advantage in terms of local economic development, improving the university dynamic, improving the entrepreneurial activity in the community, and helping immigrant entrepreneurs get to the U.S. Wonderful. So, uh, we fought, we, we we spun up Global EIR, we funded it, uh, again, as a nonprofit, and I think we've now got a dozen states uh, either deployed or in process of being deployed.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so grateful you've done that. You know, you know, um, I'm very grateful to actually be part of this Global EIR Coalition myself, and I uh, I'm very grateful to be on the advisory committee for, the, for the, the, the 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 legal side of things. So, thank you for spearheading that. We're running out of time. We've got about two minutes, and if anybody wants to know about Global EIR, they should visit globaleir.org for more information. Uh, in 30 seconds, I would love for you to just to explain a little bit more about what you mean entrepreneurship is intellectual immigration.
0: I heard this line at an event I went to at MIT for celebrating the 50 years of entrepreneurship at MIT, and, and it just stuck with me. Um, when you're uh, an immigrant, you're venturing into territory unknown uh, to create new things, you know, a new environment, new life, or whatever, and the idea of entrepreneurship having that same characteristic intellectually. Mm-hmm. Intellectually, you're venturing into places that are new, unknown, outcomes uncertain lots of risk dynamics that you have to confront. And I I just love the linkage between the two when I heard the statement.
1: That's fantastic. And I can totally see that. And I could see why you would really fall in love with that sentence. You know, um, I would love to talk more about what you've been doing, because there's so much synergy in all the things that you've been doing, as well as what I've been doing. And there's a movie for hero to go, I just want to put a plug for that, because we're running out of time. But anybody who wants to know more about it, you can go to fell thoughts and learn more about the movie of course for hero to go brad we're running out of time thank you so much for joining us i could talk with you all day and i hope you'll join us again so take care of yourself and thank you
0: Thanks for time for having
1: me. All right. Bye-bye. Listeners, that was Brad Feld, thought leader on immigration as well as entrepreneurship and everything investing. Thank you so much for joining us today. We will be here bright and early Tuesday next week at 10 o'clock to talk more immigration. This is Tamina Talks Immigration on Desi 1250 AM. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.